as we sit and we wonder what people have given their lives for, I want to ask you an opening question. What are you living for? Whom are you living for? The beautiful thing about Jeremiah, the beautiful thing about God's story to us, which is disclosed through the scriptures, is from the very beginning we're introduced to a God who creates, a God who inspires, a God who is patient, steadfast in his love and his compassion, and always allows people the opportunity to come back to him. Throughout the story of the Old Testament, throughout the narrative that we read, we read about a distant people and a distant following. And there's an ebb and flow. There's an in and out to the relationship with God. Sometimes they get it right on the mark. And then a lot of times they fall short. And every time they fall short, God is always standing, not observing from a distance, but he's standing in the trenches with them, hoping, guiding, and yearning that they will return back to him. What are you living for? Whom are you living for? I'm willing to bet that in this room this morning there are many of us that there are a lot of segments of our story that we would like to have a magic eraser on and erase, completely obliterate. In fact, uh, I was uh, meeting with Chris Price this week in doing the technology upstairs when we record the services. And uh, if you're a professional kind of person doing this, which I am not, um, we sort of, I'm able to splice different people and different sounds. And like this, uh, this thing that happened this morning, I can completely delete that. It's awesome. Uh, so when it goes out on the airways, we have a perfect service in every way, shape, or form. It sounds great. Uh, but I, I told him, he said, well, what do you do when you've got a voice and you've got those voices up there and somebody's off or somebody's early? I said, well, there's a way to tweak in each individual one and you can like elongate the sound or shorten the sound, make it flat, make it sharp. I said, but um, this is my rule of thumb, the magic word, delete. We just delete and that's what I do. I'm willing to bet though, for many of you, there are parts of your recording Parts of your life, parts of your story that you would like to have, uh, be able to, to capture a starting point at any point and just press delete and collapse that start and that finish so that no one knows the difference and you don't know the difference and you never went through that experience or that pain or that long suffering or that trauma. And the problem with that is that both the good that happens to us and the bad that happens to us, and a lot of times the good and the bad, it's what we perceive it to be rather than actually what it is, they shape and form us into becoming what we are and what we do. For instance, uh, when uh, one of the things that I've, I think I've shared before is, you know, you're, you're more than just the sum total of your decisions, but growing up in the church, uh, I experienced the worst possible situations in the local church. Uh, church split after church split, people argued over the color of the carpet, people argued about what, what kind of seating we had, business conferences were two and a half hours long, it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Because while we're arguing over what color of the carpet to put in the sanctuary, thousands 
and upon thousands of people are dying and go to hell without knowing Jesus Christ. We have to make sure that the main thing is the main thing. But one of the things that, that I, I, I really caught on early on is that there were people in the church, there were the movers and shakers. And I wasn't one, nor my family. They weren't the movers and shakers in the church. And a lot of times we were ignored. My friends were ignored. The people around me were ignored. And so when I went into ministry, my goal was to go after the people that for all practical purposes, they're pew dwellers, they're here, and no one ever notices them. They're doing the things behind the scenes that are amazing. And I want to celebrate those people. I want to build a church and work at a church, allow God to use me in the local church to transform it, to move beyond it, to move beyond the bickering about the, the carpet and the pews and the, well, all this other stuff that we are so good at arguing about, and move beyond that to really delve into and dive into what really matters and what really matters is the state of our hearts and are our hearts in right relationship with God and the beautiful thing is about that is that God not only has authored my story he also is authoring yours and you may be here today and you may want to delete certain things of your pedigree. You may want to delete certain events that have occurred to you that, uh, that have happened to you but I want you to know that just like Jeremiah, I want you to notice in verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 4 of chapter 1, verse 4 of chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, and then in verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, I want, and this is not just true of Jeremiah. This is true of every single person on the face of the planet. Before he formed us in the womb, he knew us. And I, I want to unpack that a little bit because we're very good at looking at the external and we're very good at jumping through the hoops. And, you know, we go through, we go through school and elementary school and we get awards for academics and we get on sports teams and we win trophies and we have this whole, this whole uh, closet full of celebrations and awards that we've received and we go on to college and we want to make the most. We might get a graduate school or technical school and we want to be our best and we get these certificates and all these things. We have these degrees to hang on our walls and all this stuff and that becomes really what we're defined by because no one takes their personal testimony of Jesus and goes in to an interview. And I would even submit to you, it's very rare when you interview to work in a church that they, they go for your personal testimony first. They look at your resume to see where you went to high school, to see where, how long you've been in those jobs. Were you in a role in a job more than two years or three years or four years? Where were you? What caused you to leave? Is there any breach? Is there any segment of your occupation or of your, of your career that there's a gap? Employers are looking for all these things. And so we become defined a lot of times by a piece of paper. Now I know some of you say, well, my resume's a lot longer than a piece of paper. And that would be why you don't have a job, okay? Your resume shouldn't be any longer than one page. You need to use readable font, and you need to spell correctly. When we were going to hire for our youth person, I can't tell you how many resumes we got in. My rule of thumb is, if you, can't, if you have a typo that spell check would have correct, and you were not meticulous enough to do that, why in the world would I want to entrust you to students? You think it's crazy. 
but we end up being defined by that slip of paper. But is that really the sum total of what our lives are? God knew us before he ever formed us in our mother's womb. Our significance does not come from what's on that piece of paper in a resume. Our significance is built upon the fact that before we were ever thought of, before we ever existed, before we ever cried mama, before we ever, ever, ever took our first breath, he's the one that authored our story. In the very beginning, he's the one that formed us and he knew us even then. Every single person in this room was formed in our mother's womb. And he knew us from that point. If you go back to Genesis and you read about all he created, what did God say after he created everything? It's good. Then why are so many people walking around today upset because they believe they're bad people or they believe they're trash? You're not trash because God doesn't create trash. God didn't make trash. You may have trash in your life. You may have a life that contains filth. But you're not defined by your filth unless you choose to be. We should be defined by the God who formed us in our mother's womb and who knew us from the very very beginning. No matter what we think, no matter what we believe about ourselves, there was a time in history when there was nothing about us. There was a time in our story that there was nothing to report. And even when we had no intrinsic value to anyone on this planet, the Bible says God knew us. Think about that image. God knowing us, when we couldn't sing his praises, when we couldn't move, when we didn't even exist. He knew us before all of that. God knew us when we were nothing. How much greater are we now to him now that we are something? Never ever forget it is God who has positioned you in the time and place. I meet people all the time in this community. They're like, you know, I'm stuck in this job or I'm stuck in this community. I want to go out. I want to leave. I want to go somewhere else. I just wish that God would take me, you know, to Knoxville. I'm like, really? I wish God would move us to Chattanooga. What? Are you kidding me? I wish God would move us to Atlanta. Get real. I wish God would move us. I wish God would move us to Florida. There's hurricanes. I wish God would move us. You know, let me tell you something. I've been a pastor in several states, and every church that I've pastored, every church I've worked on staff, I had a population that was never happy where they were. They always wanted to move somewhere else. And the interesting thing about it is, I, when I was in New Orleans, people complained, it's so hot here. We hate this. It's so hot. And so many of them moved. And several years later, we had the opportunity to meet up with them. They were just as miserable then as they were when they, when they left New Orleans. In fact, they would say, we just want God to get us out of this God-forsaken place. Listen, if you find in your life that everywhere you go and everywhere you move is a God-forsaken place, maybe you need to begin looking at the problem. And the problem's not Him and it's not where you are. The problem rests in you. And your sense of significance... 
Um, as some of you may not believe this, I, I, I don't say this flippantly. I mean it very, 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 very seriously. I was sitting with, with my, my brother and sister-in-law last night in Charlotte. And uh, we were eating dinner and uh, my sister-in-law says to me, uh, so how's the church going? And I said, it's amazing. And Tammy said, it's awesome. This is, the, this, it's, this is the best place we've ever lived. And I say that, I don't say it flippantly. I am so grateful, so grateful to God to be a citizen in this town and to be in this church. There is nowhere else I would rather be than right here. I hope that I can retire and die and somebody in the future will preach my funeral at Happy Valley Memorial Park. That, that, would, be, that would be my desire. But a lot of us, even in this room this morning, are not happy. We're not content. A lot of youth are growing up, they grew up here and they're like, why in the world would you want to live here in Carter County? I know, I know. I'm telling you, wherever you are can be the best place on earth if you'll lean into God and get your significance from Him. He has a way of absolutely, guess what? Transforming your worldview. He has a way of transforming your pessimism. He has a way of transforming your cynicism. He has a way of transforming your heart. God knew you even when you were in your mother's womb. And God, listen ladies and gentlemen, God has not purposed you in this place, in this city, in these pews, just to warm the bench. God has placed you in this place and as he looks and as he writes, Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then he says, I love this, before you were born, oh, by the way, before you were born, I set you apart. Every single person's significance should be rooted in God and in through the experience of Jesus Christ. He has set you apart for a specific purpose, which means this. There are people, there are things... There are issues and circumstances that you can relate to, that you can minister to, that no one else can. You uniquely, you uniquely are gifted with certain things that will enable you to impact people that I will never be able to reach and that no one else will ever be able to reach. It is your role to reach them. Your significance, your significant part in the great unfolding drama of God is not merely to be someone that sings His praise is not merely someone to show up on Sunday morning to participate in worship. Your significance may be to impact your children for the kingdom. Your significance may be to impact other people's children for the kingdom. Your significance may be to reach out to the prisoner and reach out to the downtrodden, to reach out to someone in the trenches and you may know the trenches because you've been there and you've existed there and you flourish there and God wants to use your story to be a significant part of somebody else's story so that when we impact and so when we go through and we feel and sense the amazing presence of God that you and I can flourish before Him. 
God has a sense of significance for you. And he wants you not only to exist, but as I've said many times, he wants you to thrive. Some of you, you have built your life on what you can acquire. For some of you, your dream car was to have a BMW. For others of you, your dream car was to have that Corvette. For others of you, it was to have a Volkswagen Passat. If you're driving a Volkswagen Passat this morning, you need to move your vehicle. There's an officer in the back. I'm I'm being actually very serious. He's in the back. If you're driving a Volkswagen Passat, you need to move that vehicle. It was never God's intention for you to own and flourish in that vehicle, okay? Excellent. How do you make this a part of the sermon? It's amazing. Your significance is not what you drive. Your significance is not in what you live, not in the house, not living an American dream, not getting teary-eyed over our servicemen and women who have faithfully served their country. Listen, I want you to be so overwhelmed by the amazing presence of God that He moves you to do things significantly for Him. You say, I've I've wanted to be used by God in amazing ways. I want God God to do something big in my life. If you want God to do something big in your life, let me just ask you this. Have you trusted God in the small things? Because I'm going to tell you something. Small things, it's all about perspective. Small things can have huge, huge impacts on people's lives. Let me give you an illustration. There was a man by the name of Ross Champion at the first church that I served, and he was a great deacon. But what made him the greatest deacon is he was, he was old, he was wise, he was fun-loving, he always had a smile on his face. And we were struggling to find a teacher for our third and fourth grade boys. Didn't have a teacher. We pounded the pulpit. Need a third and fourth grade teacher. And I know what every Baptist thought. Oh, well, he must be talking to someone else. He's not talking to me. And Ross came to me after a deacon's meeting and said, Todd, he said, I, I think, you know, I can, I can do that. I think, I'll, uh, I think I'd like to teach, just try to teach the third and fourth grade boys. And so he began to teach them, and this is the impact he made in their lives. The first week, and this was a very small thing, he gave each of the boys in that room his home phone number and his cell phone number. And he said, boys, if you ever need anything whatsoever, you call me. If you ever need a friend, you ever need someone to talk to, you just call me. Now, he didn't realize what an impact he was going to have. That Sunday school class grew. Those boys went out. That, that man gave me his phone number. That, that, I mean, this is a great class. He gave me his phone number. We had oodles and oodles of young boys, third and fourth grade, that became an integral part of that class. Why? Because someone like Ross Champion was willing. I don't even think he, I don't even think he noticed in the beginning. He was willing just to be present to children. 
And as a result of the simple act of giving his phone number to them, he impacted children's lives. You and I will never know the impact that we can have, not just on children, but our co-workers, our family members, and everybody that we encounter. God knew us before we were ever born, and God has set us apart to accomplish something significant. So my two questions today are simply this. Are you pursuing God's purpose and call? And two, are you fulfilling God's purpose through your life? Two very easy questions... And they should have an easy answer. Either you are or you aren't. And if you aren't, look at the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is the disclosure of a God who allows you to change midstream. The story of the Bible, the story of God, is the story of a man who gave everything so that you and I could have eternity with him. Are you purposing your life, fulfilling your God-given purpose? Are you purposing, are you accomplishing that? Are you accomplishing that through your life on a daily basis? And then as we close, no matter where our lives take us, the Bible tells us in verse 8 of this passage that we need not be afraid... Because God says that he will rescue us. There are so many people, even in this room today, who are fearful. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what is ahead of us. We don't need to be afraid. God's got whatever issues and circumstances that may entangle our lives. Some of you, as you would tell your story... You have so many things and th- uh, things that you could share that are just mind-boggling. You've experienced tremendous suffering in your lives. And I'm here to tell you that your ability to survive and thrive in God's kingdom is not because you were a strong person. It's not because you went to perfect attendance 13 years to Sunday school. It's not because of your resume. It's because he formed you in your mother's womb and he knew you long before you were ever thought of and he has set you apart for something great and significant and he is going to provide for you. Now, what does provision mean is this. Provision does not always mean protection. We're not always protected from the ailments. I mean, it, it concerns me. I'm like when someone dies of cancer, when, when, when God-fearing good people, and I say good people, I mean, I don't know their story, but for all practical purposes, they're esteemed highly in the community and in service to the king. They have, they have, uh, they've advanced God's kingdom. They have been a great witness. When those people get terminal cancer and I have to preach their funeral, there are times, ladies and gentlemen, if I could be just quite honest, that I go, why? I mean... Are there not other people out there that you could take that are your enemies, that are working against your kingdom? And I'm going to tell you, I, pr- I prayed that for a number, a num- number of seasons in my life when I would have to preach a funeral for what I considered a great person. And one day God said to me, 
And I didn't hear his voice audibly, but it was, it was as clear as the day. The people that I take, a lot of times, Todd, are the people who are ready. And the ones who are working against me, it's not yet time to bring them to my presence. I want you to think about the implications of that. So the next time you get a diagnosis, don't fear the unknown. Don't fear that cancer word. God's going to provide for you. And here's the promise. You may suffer with cancer. You may be terminally ill. You may pass away. But if you pass from this life, you enter the next segment of your life. Eternity with a king that loves you and has known you since your mind, before your mind was ever formed. If you're here this morning and you're young, notice what Jeremiah says. Oh, my words aren't good and I'm too young. You're never too young and you're never too old to be used significantly by God. There's nobody in this room that cannot be used by Him to do amazing, amazing things. Make no mistake, He has set you apart for wonderful things. He set you apart so that you can impact people's lives around you. And we should not be defined, ladies and gentlemen, and I've said this eons and eons of times from this pulpit, we should not be defined by our failures. We should not even be defined by our successes. We should be defined by the God who formed us in our mother's womb, who has set us apart. And as I read the scripture today, and I told you the story, if you go up to, to chapter 1, verse 1, it says the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Nanahoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. Okay, I know how to spell Josiah. Son of Ammon, king of Judah. Okay, Ammon, I don't know what he looked like. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the 5th month, the 11th year of Zedekiah. You got all these kings, all this royalty. <laughs> no book of the Bible is named after them. But yet you have Jeremiah, an ordinary person like you and me, who recognized God's word to him, God's call to him, when God said, you are going to be my mouthpiece and you are to say exactly what I tell you to say because I knew you in your mother's womb. I have set you apart and no matter what you face, I will rescue you you. Jeremiah's biography is not unique to Jeremiah. His biography needs to become ours. We need to recognize our significance is our ability to plug into the Lord, recognizing that he was at work in our lives long before we ever had breath in our lungs, that he has set us apart for amazing things and in the end, He will rescue us from our enemies. He will rescue us from our persecutors. We don't need to get frustrated. We don't need to throw in the towel. We simply need to throw ourselves into Him and surrender everything.
your significance, my significance, our calling is directly, must be directly linked to God, His provision from the very beginning. I was talking with John Bunn in closing. I was talking to John Bunn the other day, and I said, you know, when I, you know, I'm not a, a musician by trade, and when I was a worship leader, I would tell choirs that I would direct on Sunday morning, uh, I would tell them on Wednesday night, look, ladies and gentlemen, we have to begin well, and we have to finish well. If we fall apart in the middle, no one will remember it. But they will remember if we began well and finished well. Ladies and gentlemen, every single person in this room, you have begun well. You can't begin any better than having God authoring your life. The question though is, are you going to finish well? The middle, well, yeah, you've made mistakes. We've all made some bad choices. We've made some things that, as I said, we would like to delete. You've begun well. Are you going to finish well? You and I will finish well if and only if we're centered in Him, recognizing our significance stems from His call and our obedience to fulfill that call in our lives as we trust in Him. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today and we thank you so much for your work in the life of First Baptist Church and your work in our lives. God, we are grateful to you that all of us have basically the same beginning, that you knew us before we were ever thought of in this world's eye. And that you have set us apart for exceedingly better and greater things. Lord, as we think about the ending of our life. So we think about where our journey will end in the future. For some of us, that future is days away. It could be moments away. It could be decades away. But an end will come. Lord... Have we found our significance in you? Are we defined by your call on our lives? And are we faithfully answering and fulfilling that call in our story? Lord, help us finish well. Lord, the middle doesn't matter. Our testimony is not what happens in the middle. Our testimony is about what you began and what you finish. Lord, separate our failures as far as the east is to the west. Let us not be defined by our bad decisions. Let us not be defined by the sin that so easily entangles. Let us let go. And let us open up our hearts and our minds to you. Lord, may you define us in this invitation... Father, if there are those here that want to be a part of First Baptist Church, of those here who need to accept Christ as personal Lord and Savior, as we've had students do that this week, if there are those here that need to recommit themselves to you, maybe today someone says, I want to center my significance in the God who formed me in my mother's womb. I want to accept the fact and I believe in the fact that he has set me apart for exceedingly greater things. Ladies and gentlemen, please quit blaming yourselves. 
quit blaming others and simply trust in a Jesus Christ, in the Christ who loves you, in a Christ who's calling you, and a Christ who says today, come just as you are. Find your significance. End your story well. And so, Lord, as we close this prayer, we ask for the people, what is their pleasure? Have they been so busy pursuing life as they wanted that they are discontent? And Father, today, through your work, they come to know you and make you known. Father, be with us as this time of decision, as you open up the doors. May this altar be flooded with the needs and desires of our hearts as we lay ourselves before you in our spiritual act of worship. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.